no game can be truly great in experience and feel without a functional and appealing UI. If the art and animation in games are equivalent to the contents of a book, then the user interface is comparable to the typography, layout, and the meaningful presentation of visual materials. Today, we uncover the art and psychology behind game UIs with a very special guest who has mastered it all. Let's check it out. Hello, everyone. I'm very happy to have here uh, Gon Vasquez, an old friend of mine from Barcelona. Uh, Gon, how are you doing? It's so nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, man. So happy to be here. Such an honor. Already a fan of the podcast. And yeah, I've been a fan of your work for, for years. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks a lot. Same goes for me. Can I start with a little introduction about you just for the people who are meeting you for the first time? Yeah, please. I think that would help a lot. All right. So Gon Vasquez is from Madrid, from Spain. He's currently working at Supercell as a UI UX artist on Brawl Stars. And Gon has previously worked for Rovio in the Puzzle Studio in Helsinki. And when he lived in Barcelona, he worked for Social Point and B-Square. Gon has made his first mobile game, which was Angry Boo, a platform game which was launched in January 2012. So it's a long, long journey uh, going overall, overall working as an artist, working as a UI artist. And in today's topic, where I want to understand the art and psychology of UI, you are the perfect person to talk about this. So very excited. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I hope to be that perfect person <laughs> to be talking about UI. Thank you. So Gon, um, initially when I like kind of like discovered the work of UI in games, when I was uh, working, things have gone very far today. Like the, the companies are huge, like those which are doing great business, uh, operating a live function. So there's like a whole process where you have to be in a specialized role. And there's like a big UX design process if you think about from the specialization. So I want to understand from you, like on your portfolio on Behance, you have a really cool diagram of a typical UX design process that starts from agreeing on the objectives and key results and then going to asset creation, validating them, even checking those results with the audience. So could you describe all of these stages for the audience who are just new to this function? Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, so yeah, maybe like the first thing to, to to help to clarify is we talk about UI, we talk about UX. Um, I try to understand UX, like user experience as a broader um, endeavor uh, that we all collaborate with uh, when we do a game or when we do any other product. Um, so, yeah, like designing the experience, the product or the, or the, or the game uh, needs to provide to the to the users or players. That's what user experience is. And then UI, like user interface art, uh, is just a bit of it. Um, but yeah, like, so so in a way, user experience, it's, it's a way more shared um, responsibility inside a game team. But it's nice to have someone who is constantly uh, taking a look at it. Um, and it, I like to be the one in terms of like UI and UX being connected. Doesn't need to be. There's companies that have the role totally separated. Um, and then there's UX designers and UI artists. Um, I've been working in this kind of like hybrid role for a long time because it just fits my personal preferences, but it can be done by different people. And then um, like this UX design flow that I, I have tried to 
to visualize in, in, in different projects. Yeah, like I like to say like the first thing is, is we need an agreement, no? We need an agreement between the different uh, stakeholders of the, of the project, like say the game lead, game designers, um, game artists, game programmers as well. Uh, so yeah, what are we trying to achieve with a specific um, effort? Like maybe we're talking about the core gameplay, maybe it's a feature. Um, but yeah, we, we need to start from somewhere. And, and I think it's better if we start with an agreement of what's the focus, uh, what's, what's the goal of the feature that we, that we are about to develop. Um, do we want to impact more like the retention of players uh, staying for longer playing in the game? Or do we, do we want to impact uh, how good the first time user experiences um, and how well do players actually learn the basics of a game? So yeah, like this first, like um, the, we have to call these different ways, like yeah, agreeing on the KPIs, agreeing on a shared goal. But yeah, like definitely some conversations need to happen before we start working. Um, and then, yeah, like I would say, once we know what we want to do, I like to to start like to research uh, a little or, or as much as possible. Like depends also on the timing. Um, but yeah, I like try to understand like do players have uh, a specific um, expectations of, of this kind of feature that we are working on? Like have they faced a similar feature in another game? Um, are they familiar who, who with how this is supposed to work on their minds? Um, would we be disrupting that? Um, if so, is it good uh, that we are doing something different than others, or it's better to lean on the the universal knowledge that our players already have. Um, so yeah, and then, um, so this might refer more as like maybe benchmarking other titles, but it's not only that, like we can do actual like uh, user research that I love that uh, we get the opportunity to do, like ask players, like either in surveys, uh, mm, like, yeah, there's many different ways, like interviewing them. Um, to to start to understand, okay, like um, this thing that we are trying to do, uh, how does it relate to to our potential players? And and then yeah, maybe almost at the same time, uh, and also if if we can then show uh, to to the interviews or to the to the research groups, it's like we will start already doing like some some early wireframes, uh, early flows, like to actually start to, to assemble a structure on how the, the, this feature or this, uh, this, this goal that we are trying to do looks like, no? Like, um, yeah, and, and for that, it's common that we would use, um, you know, like these very basic uh, representations of the game. Uh, they, not, they don't need to look clean yet or, or polished. It's, it's just like the, the basic functions of what we are expecting to, to have in on the screen uh, while this flow is running. Um, so yeah, that would be like the wide framing phase. Also, that helps a lot to, uh, yeah, someone needs to be doing that. Like normally, like, yeah, like a UI UX um, designer. And, and then the moment you have it, like, yeah, you still need to, 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 to send this and to share it with, with the rest of the stakeholders, like to see if we are uh, actually uh, following the vision that we agreed on. With the game designers, um, also to check with game developers as, as early as possible, like how, how complex is this gonna be to develop and, and to actually do the programming. 
uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, this this wireframing uh, or, or phase helps to start envisioning like the the actual feature, no? and then it helps both inside the team and maybe outside the team if we want to to share with potential players. Um, and then, like I would say, once we have agreed on this uh, core structure or this like basic skeleton of how it, it's gonna end up, so before putting the the flesh and the skin and, and the, the beautiful parts uh, of the beast that we are creating. Um, this when once that is agreed, is okay. Maybe we will then like kick off the feature, and and then it's when maybe like UI art is starting to be produced. We go maybe for more elaborate mockups. Um, we start to think of how how is it going to be animated? Uh, what are the all the requirements we need for the feature, let's say, do we need specific sounds for it? Do we need, like, it would, be, would it be nicer with some VFX? So maybe we can call our uh, VFX artists uh, to help us. Uh, do we actually need any, for example, any character? Like maybe for a first-time user experience, it's nice if there's a, a host welcoming players to the game. So what character should it be? Like, we... We'll be talking with the character artists or the content artists. So yeah, um, I think that's when we start to actually flesh out the details. Um, once the wireframes are agreed and when we are going more into the detail and also when we start to implement um, in terms of the, the different engines that we are using to, to actually uh, build the game. Um, and then once that is, is done, or, or it starts to be done in terms of probably we, it will go into different iterations. Uh, it's, it's, it's very typical that uh, you need to get like something pretty done to, to receive maybe more specific feedback, which is okay because sometimes it's hard for people to imagine how something is going to look uh, with just like a black and white wireframe. Uh, so ideally you should give yourself enough time to once something is implemented um, to iterate on it and to receive feedback to show to other maybe other members of the team that they haven't been um, so related to the development of the feature so you get some fresh eyes um, and then yeah if ideally also people from outside the team um, and then once you start to see like the people are reacting to to the product that you are doing in, in, in the desired way and they don't find hiccups or like blockers in terms of, hey, which is the button that I should be pressing now? These kind of things. Or mm, this feels boring, like this feels too long. Um, I'm not excited enough. Like all these things, like it's ideal, like we, we work on them. And then, yeah, like it's time to, to actually test it uh, with players and it depends where are you. In terms of, are you a live game? So you can maybe uh, launch it in the next update. Uh, maybe you want to launch it only for a certain amount of players. So you do a navy test. Uh, also, maybe you are just doing a prototype. So then it's easier in terms of you. You don't need to to be mindful about current existing players. But yeah, and then uh, I would say that's when also like another big bulk of learnings come. Um, and you are then ready to do like a V2 of the, of the feature in terms of, okay, like we thought of all about these things, we research, uh, we talk among, among us, uh, but still once that thing was out, uh, different feedback came and do we want to act on, upon it? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Got it. So uh, it's great to see that you uh, you involve yourself in the entire pipeline from uh, agreeing on and aligning on the the key results that the entire um, game team is expecting, and then taking that up from uh, determining the rightful flow, and then creating those wireframes and doing the actual hands-on work of uh, art creation and asset creation. Uh, even implementation, like in some places, maybe the implementation might be carried out by tech artists who are separate, but uh, in some cases, maybe the artists are directly working on the uh, on the engine and putting them by themselves. And then you also keep and watch on how those things implemented and then gave results when they were tested with the real audience and the feedback that came in. Uh, so very interesting to know that. Uh, now I want to ask something more focused on the the part where the the UI is getting created. And then um, those decisions with the stylistic decisions are being made. So uh, in the middle of the process where the art gets created. So I kind of like broadly see game UIs as either more generic or more thematic. Uh, So a generic one might be more flexible, easier to navigate and use and more adaptable to the game. Whereas a thematic one could be something that feels very consistent overall from the from the rest of the game, like the visuals, the characters, the scenes, but maybe it might be a bit too thematic, like the, the pop-ups are very populated with the look and feel. So let's say you're doing a bit like a jungle game or whatsoever. So there are lots of uh, ornated elements, like thinking from from the, the actual pop-up window to the play button to the uh, to the header on the top and stuff like this. So it it like basically requires more effort to create every pop-up like this, in in my opinion. But it makes all the visuals and narratives speak one strong language. Is that correct? Like there are can, can I classify them into something which is very generic and very um, thematic? And in what circumstances should one prefer one direction over the other? And what are the pros and cons of choosing things like these? It's a great question. <clears throat> I mean, I think um, like it all comes to the user experience in terms of uh, what is the experience that we want to provide. Uh, does the UI help? Uh, by being more themed uh, to, to to achieve that goal of of maybe immersion uh, or, or, or yeah, like there's many other things that are taken into account here. Like, does it help in the readability? Uh, how how long do we want the player to be looking at a specific UI screen? Is then maybe that would help to decide uh, how complex or how simple it, it needs to look. Uh, also depending like how heavy your game is in terms of uh, information being shown to the player, no? Uh, maybe, yeah, like like more like a hardcore game with tons of stats and different uh, points of information about your player or, or, or your character or your, your gears. Um, then, yeah, you need a lot of room for all that uh, information. Uh, so maybe those ornaments uh, will... Uh, collide or I would uh, compete too much in terms of like real estate on the screen for that. Um, but then at the same point, uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, like sometimes we do need like to, to give some flavor to the UI, you know, and, and so, so yeah, I, I think it, as, as, as you know, like nothing is black and white um, in when creating art uh, or when creating like a, a, any design. So, so yeah, I would say it needs to be a balance in terms of uh, how how much does it help uh, to to have like a very ornamented UI uh, towards the yeah like the 
experience, the, the, the readability, like the, um, and yeah, there's other considerations to, to, to have, like, a, yeah, how scalable it is, no? Like, um, do we, would it be more costly then to do more uh, variations of a certain uh, screen if it's like too, too ornamented or too, too detailed? Um, I, I don't have like a particular uh, preference. I think as anything in UI, everything needs to serve a purpose. Um, so yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and <clears throat> let's go to the early days of the project where a prototype has been approved and greenlit and you are beginning with the pre-production and all the artists are the art director and everyone is trying to align it on a vision for the look and feel for the game. So I know that on the, on the um, art and wisdom side, you might explore to start making maybe some key art examples of uh, wearing styles where you're testing out the, um, the difference in color schemes and the proportions and trying to define how simpler or realistic we're going to make. So does the same goes for also the, the journey of UI style selection in the, in the beginning, like the typical flow of creation where you try multiple mockups, which are more like uh, almost like you can ship them to the game and that kind of like colored, rendered and all those things. And then they are presented to the stakeholders. And in those cases, how are those decisions also made? Because maybe even the style is not set right now. So how do we decide whether this is going to work eventually for us? Yeah, I think ideally you should start with this like UI exploration or style exploration specifically. Um, let's try to choose a couple of screens that are going to be very representative of the the where the player is going to spend time on. Uh, so I don't know, like don't choose like an info pop-up that is only going to be seen once or twice, no? Uh, let's try to use something like the, yeah, like the core gameplay or the main menu. Uh, yeah, places that are going to be relevant in terms of uh, the, the experience uh, of the player. And then once you have like these couple of screens like selected, um, yeah, I think it's nice if we can try to explore, as, yes, we don't have to, to be mindful about the whole production of uh, dozens of of different screens. Once you have only a couple, uh, then it's it's nice to 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 provide the rest of the stakeholders with options in terms of how you actually envision the 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 game in terms of the UI. You know, um, uh, I think the tons of conversations need to happen with the um, with the rest of the art team in terms of uh, how the UI is going to to actually blend with the rest of the, the the acting game, so it doesn't collide, so it complements each other, um, and and then once once you have that, um, yeah, like you start. So in it, like I have I have done I have run also experiments like um, also just testing uh, UI styles uh, with with players, um, for example, in in a project at Robio, we were doing like a not yet released game so what we did is like we we saw like in with a game in game survey we saw like different styles of the ui uh for, for players of an already existing game i think it was in angry birds 2 or one of the titles that they were already out uh so we in a way wanted to to see how the angry birds fans would react to a particular uh new ui style for a new angry birds game 
Um, and yeah, we provided different um, mockups. Like I think it was like a set of three like A, B, C options. And yeah, that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, like it depends also who who do you want to get uh, information from in terms of that feedback. The same can be done like with the team. No, like yeah, you you create uh, three sets of styles. Like I would say at that phase, if possible, try to go for extremes. Like not to go for something that is almost the same as A, but B, like, yeah, like, uh, maybe style takes that on, from, from your point of view or what you are understanding that the game is going to be, uh, makes sense. Um, but still try to be, uh, as, as extreme as possible, uh, to, to see, okay, so can we go, let's say, it's a, yeah, like, a, um, an action, uh, game. So do we go for like cartoony action? Do we go for like realistic action or do we go for, yeah, maybe something more neutral uh, where the action is actually uh, expressed through other means, not the UI? Mm-hmm. Got it. And at this stage, do we think about the long-term efficiency of uh, the, the direction that we are choosing uh, from the point of view? Like, let's say when we are trying to define the look of the art, like the, how the characters are going to get done and things like this, there are considerations about when this game scales up, can we hire the right kind of character designers from the market to to come and scale this game and um, all the technical limitations also? So does the same thinking also goes in the mind when we are thinking about choosing a UI? Like, for example, more multiple artists are going to work on it. So uh, can they adopt to the style that way? And also, maybe in the initial markup, you are thinking a bit minimal because of the amount of information you have. But at the end, it's going to get very crowded with the number of features uh, on, let's say, the home screen. And it's going to get have like tons of uh, new events and features and whatnot. So how are those things still kept in mind while you are doing in a very early days when it's like something being born? Definitely. It, it needs to be in, in, in the team's mind, like how is this going to be? Like once it's a final product, uh, I guess, yeah, like it, it does get like fully packed uh, in the end, like uh, tons of buttons calling for players' attention. Um, so it definitely helps if the, yeah, if the UI style um, is not adding noise uh, to that noise that by default is going to actually happen in game. No? Um, but Maybe at the early stages, it, it is nice trying not to be too constrained uh, by, by those kind of uh, realistic limitations. Uh, when we are talking about exploring, uh, because maybe then there's a way, like we have seen something like, oh, like this, this, this way of rendering like the, the, the windows and the, the containers of the information, we like this. Um, yeah, we see like it, it might be challenging to, to, to take this uh, into like a broader scale. Uh, but maybe there's some details that we can uh, take from it or some, some like a simplification of, of that uh, exploration that it actually works. No? So, um, so yeah, I would say during the exploration phase, let's not uh, to limit ourselves. Uh, of course, it would happen in terms of we are mindful of the, the kind of project that we are doing. Um, so I would say some some. So limitation is going to be already happening on your mind, but maybe try to challenge that at least now uh, during the exploration phase. 
And and then, yeah, like once you see, okay, this kind of direction is the one that we want to go for because it resonates with uh, the, the people we have shown to, it resonates with the team, uh, it fits the the rest of the things that are going in the in the team in terms of, yeah, like the other art or, or how we are going to develop the game. And then it's like, okay, what are the challenges of this uh, particular style in terms of actually making it into a real uh, UI? Got it. So all makes sense. Uh, and I agree to uh, like, you have to keep some stuff in mind, but don't be too blocked by all the all the limitations, because this is the moment where you need to unleash your creativity a bit and then play around and go a bit more broader with your solutions. Otherwise, like all the options that you're going to create are going to look too restrictive and limited and won't be as free as something having a uh, the charm and value inside it. So it all makes sense. Uh, one thing which I want to know from, so I know your role and what your background has been, but help me understand more from a typical senior UI artist, maybe not working at Supercell, but all the locations and all the all the kind of like gaming companies. In those cases, every UI artist, like is that role like a T-shaped role in one way or the other where you are primarily responsible for UI asset creation, obviously, but you also need to apply and have the ability to think from a product and designer perspective and also on the management side and, and check on KPIs or can there be just very defined um, you go and make UI art and then we are taking care of rest of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, it depends a lot on the company as you were saying. Uh, it depends a lot on the size of the team, like how how specialized uh, you, you can actually be. Um, but I would say even if you are, let's say you are not doing the UX, like you have UX designers uh, taking care of that, um, even if you are not doing the implementation of your art, uh, and then you have like technical artists doing that implementation, both things what I currently do, like because I do like to, to have all of these uh, responsibilities gathered. Um, but even if you are only focusing on the UI art, I would say... Yeah, it's uh, maybe you. It's ideal that you know uh, enough animation to 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 do the the you know the animate the animation of the UI components, the, the animation of flows, uh, buttons, uh, like the different like let's say like a level up animation or a, a booster animation in the UI, like all of those things. Yeah, of course you can also count on uh, animators to help you there, um, but. Uh, yeah, like it's, I haven't yet been, maybe, maybe some AAA games do have this super like divided, uh, responsibilities, but even when I was just doing the UI out of the game, um, it wasn't only, you know, like doing like the, the visuals of each screen, like statically. Um, so yeah, like it's like, there's tons of different skills that you need to, to put in use, like, uh, like, uh, like the use of the typography, uh, maybe you won't be designing the typography. Uh, you can also be designing a new typography for the game, so that can happen. Uh, um, I wouldn't maybe suggest to do that as one of the because it, it's a big effort to do uh, typography that works in different languages and everything. But I've been there as well, like or, or maybe we have been tweaking an existing typography. So it's, it's another learning that it, it's interesting to have or a skill to have. Um, so yeah, like let's say, yeah, animation typography, uh, icon designing, no, I would say it's, it's one of the biggest, uh, uh, 
responsibilities of a UI artist, no? and and maybe it's one of the ones that I enjoyed the most. Maybe we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah, like in the end, you combine tons of different um, uh, yeah specific crafts when doing a UI. Yeah, true, true. Uh, in that case, I'm asking this question more from the perspective of helping those people who are not even employed into the gaming industry. They could be students, they could be uh, someone who is like yet to enter into a professional landscape. Uh, how was the career path to become a UI artist for, for those people? It, does that happen by some sort of like an accident where you work in a game team and then you're doing everything and then you start to find interest in it? Or is that something which evolves from from your initial professional upbringing where you make certain stylistic choices or skill set choices, like a game artist would probably like um, draw, uh, make illustrations and then choose this industry based on choosing between animation, films or whatnot. Uh, in the case of UI, do they go into the path of like maybe working a bit in the app development or website design? Are those people who convert into uh, becoming a UI artist? So. Is there a sort of like a recommended path on how to how to proceed to become a specialized UI artist, for example? It's a great question. We keep talking about this when we meet like students, design students, art students, um, um, or junior roles. Um, I don't think there's a way, um, especially these crafts that are pretty new uh, in terms of, yeah, when I was studying like UI, UX, they were not even things that you could study, you know. Uh, so for my case, it did happen like more accidentally. I studied advertisement, then I was doing web design, then I joined a company that started doing app design, and we also wanted to do uh, mobile games. And as I had like all other interests in, uh, aside from or like uh, design, like, yeah, like illustration uh, or animation. That's when I felt like all of those interests could be combined in mobile uh, game UI. But um, there's, there are some, some ideal um, uh, steps that you can take uh, as you develop as a UI artist. Um, I would say um, probably... If you want to become a, a game UI artist, then the first thing that you should be is uh, passionate about games. You know, um, is it, it's gonna be it's gonna make a big difference uh, if you have played games. If you know how games uh, are done, how games communicate to players. Um, so yeah, I would say let's try to start from from passion about games, um, and then from there uh, maybe. Um, it's very important for us when we re, uh, review uh, portfolios or when we check on uh, uh, candidates. Um, yeah, how how would they approach uh, challenges or, or or design problems that we are going to be facing uh, when designing a UI? And the best way to do so is like to see some examples of that. They doesn't need to be like from a, a real product. Uh, I would say do. Uh, game jams uh, that they always help a lot uh, because yeah it's like uh, a very short amount of time but you face the same problems that many real games are, are, are going to be facing those challenges 
Um, so yeah, those exercises, uh, maybe they won't end up being in your portfolio, but they give you, uh, yeah, like confidence and practice uh, and maybe things that you can, maybe they can actually end up in your portfolio. Why not? I, I'm not saying they shouldn't. Uh, if you think yeah, they, they summarize your, your current uh, skills or experience. Other things that I always recommend is like maybe you like a particular game or a particular game genre, but you see like there are things that are not done uh, as the way they should be done. Maybe it's a genre that has been developed uh, years ago and there's no new game tackling on, on that. So maybe you can propose or, or, or even like revisit a game that is, is old. Uh, so how would it be like, yeah, thinking like, let's say, yeah, Clash of Clans like was uh, uh, launched like more than 10 years ago. So maybe there's some passionate UI as, uh, artists out there that would like to propose how would Clash of Clans uh, look if it would be done today from scratch. Um, so all of these exercises helped a lot. Um, and, and, and then the other bigger challenge is how to actually show that in a, in a portfolio in terms of um, uh, let's try to also re reflect the process, no? like not only show the final art of your UI, uh, show everything, you know, like uh, we want to see uh, how, how you take decisions, how you represent them in a rougher wireframe. Uh, we want to see how you consider those particular UI screens, uh, how they are going to be um, embedded into the game in terms of the flows. So, so yeah, it's also important like to, to learn how to explain a UI project uh, from, from the outside and not only focus on the final art that uh, someone's going to see on device. Um, but yeah, those things are, are relevant. Yeah. And what you said, the most interesting thing that I found from uh, everything that you said uh, was like, the, you have to have passion for games. And that's something which I have seen the most common trait in UI artists. Even I could say it's more than the, the typical game artist working on a production. So I cannot recall any of my good friends who are really good in UI and they are not passionate about games and they're just working in this function and are being successful. So a lot of those are just knowing the games, knowing the market, even like which games are performing better, the genre, the understanding of players, like those things exist a lot in those people as compared to maybe they can be game artists who like, I'm passionate about character design and, and I like, they still do great stuff for the game, but they, they don't have to really monitor about uh, the games in general, the gameplay and things like these. So UI artists, I have found that they are constantly playing. They're constantly like, exploring new game that came out, which is doing something unique and navigating and learning from it. So yeah, completely, completely agree. But what about artistic skills here? So is there any like weight and balance of artistic skills also in the UI artist profile? Like in your case, I know that you can draw very well. Uh, and that way you might have managed to make your mock-up vision with placeholder visuals even done by yourself. Uh, but do you think that the ability of game artists, like that kind of like drawing abilities matter when you are thinking about a UI art design role? I would say it does matter, at least uh, on a certain level. Um, it helps a lot if uh, the UI artist uh, has good drawing skills in terms of, yeah, like in the end, at least 
the icons and and yeah, other visual elements that uh, you might be the one actually producing them for the game. As I said, like may it depends a lot on the size of the team. Maybe you can just be someone working on the layouts and and even the icons you you outsource or you you uh, share that task with someone else. But but yeah, it's, we were talking before about uh, how T shaped you you need to be you known, and I would say that's one of the the qualities or the skills that uh, I would expect uh, a UI artist has, like. Uh, like a good level of uh, basic art understandings, uh, like proportion, perspective, um, colors, uh, color management, and how colors actually define, uh, yeah, uh, how they help to to lead the attention. So, yeah, uh, information architecture is also very important. Um, so I would say it's, it's a mix between what a typical graphic designer uh, would uh, need to know about, like as I was saying, like yeah, like colors, layouts, uh, information management, plus um, uh, a certain level of 2D or even 3D art in terms of uh, yeah, how you uh, create uh, assets that are going to be embedded into the UI in terms of. Yeah, a currency icon, um, some, some, yeah, all of those things. Uh, definitely, I think some art uh, practice needs to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, understood. So you touched upon a bit about the 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 tools, like for example, uh, being able to use a bit of three D and able to draw and illustrate. Maybe even have a knowledge of vector tool. I think becomes very important when you are really making something scalable and uh, all that kind of like um, liquid design elements. What, what apart from these, like the typical graphic design tool, are there any specific tools which are part of a UI and UX designer? Uh, like, for example, are you more like an old school person planning all the stuff on a whiteboard or sketchbook with your function and flow? Or like uh, I've seen many people use tools like Figma, for example, or XD mockup. So those are the tools which also become a typical part of what professionals are doing today. Yeah. Um, of course, when, when we value the candidate, uh, which specific tools uh, are you familiar with are not maybe as important as, as the final result or as you're, you're showing, yeah, as I was saying, like your, your, um, your way of thinking or, or how, how do you approach design? But yeah, if we go into specific tools, um, definitely Figma is now, I would say, one of the best um, UI UX uh, tools to to be using. It it has tons of advantages. It's super fast to to create uh, different flows uh, to manage like components that then once you change them in for a certain screen, they apply into others. Uh, I would say. But I'm quite old school in that sense. Like I, I started doing UI just with Photoshop, um, and I still sometimes do. Like for example, if you are working on a live game, that is my case. I've been working in Brawl for three years, so so um, sometimes we are working just like an iteration of an already existing feature. So it's not that we are working on something from scratch. Uh, so in those cases, maybe it's fine if, if the, the few. UI mockups required uh, to represent what we want to change in, in that existing feature. 
it's fine if you do those uh, with some, you know, you take some screenshots and then you paint over them with Photoshop. Um, so I would say it depends a lot on, on the situation. Of course, if you are doing something bigger and from scratch, uh, I would say Figma right now, it's great uh, because it allows you to, 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 to come up with something quite big pretty quickly. Um, but maybe for the final uh, creation of the assets, I'm not yet, not yet used to do, to do them in Figma. So maybe Figma, it would be the place where we put together the different screens and how we design the flows. But the actual assets, I, I'm still using Photoshop and Illustrator because like, yeah, for me, I think they provide the best uh, set of, uh, yeah, uh, specific tools inside uh, the software to, to create the, the assets. And, and that, like, this is all just talking about the, um, the mockups and the assets, but then it's about how we actually implement them, no? Um, and in, there's also like some tools there uh, in the mix, like are you implementing in Unity? Uh, are you using like another engine, uh, Unreal? Like, uh, for example, I, I use what it used to be Flash, like Adobe Flash, now called Adobe Animate. Uh, that's what I used to implement. Um, and I love it in terms of um, it provides a lot of control uh, in terms of the animations, of course, because it's like uh, originally just like an animation tool. Um, and even it allows me to use like vector graphics that Unity, for example, at least when I was uh, working in Unity, I couldn't uh, have uh, vector graphics. Everything needs to be uh, like a rasterized uh, PNG uh, it's, or, or a GPG. Like, like like an image, no? Um, but I love the fact that uh, when using Animate, I can uh, draw some simple shapes uh, directly uh, as, as, as a vector, no? So, so yeah, um, may, this is basically, I'm describing what I'm using right now. So, yeah, Figma for bigger projects uh, in terms of uh, designing the, the, the UI UX overall flow, uh, Illustrator and Photoshop for the specific uh, assets. Uh, and then using Animate to to implement them, but yeah, I mean uh, Unity has great uh, features as well that uh, I've been enjoying in the past in other projects. Um, before Figma, uh, I was using a lot Adobe XD. Uh, that in a way is pretty similar to Figma. Uh, before that, there was a Sketch and some others. So so yeah, as I was saying, like in the end, the tool is just a tool. It's a mean for you to achieve what you actually uh, are producing. But I, I would say those are like the names that I should at least mention uh, right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is true. So, uh, Gon, you have worked on some very high profile games which have high stakes and have delivered successful projects like the games which have topped, like, for example, a Brawl Stars or working on um, Angry Bird Dream Blast and things like these. Can we learn something from you from, from the mindset of um, your experiences or approaching these things from the psychology of creation of those work? Like any, any tips and guidance that we can like learn from the past projects and features that you have done work on uh, where you can inform me on how you think about the psychology of colors or the, the shape languages when you're working on them and any, any do's and don'ts on the visual designs on these kind of like things that has an impact on either making the UI or breaking the UI 
and also any cognitive psychology behind guiding the player's behavior uh, to experience the feature flow in a certain way. So any any trade secrets, basically. Hmm. I mean, I guess they we could be talking about this for hours and, and do like a whole series about uh, a podcast about these topics uh, because I, uh, I'll gladly turn all these learnings uh, from secrets into into shared knowledge uh, because, yeah, nothing should be a secret uh, when we are all trying to to create good games. Um, but, but yeah, like there's a lot. There's a lot to, to, to take into consideration of the things that you just mentioned, like, Let's talk, for example, about the, the psychology of colors. Um, so I mentioned before, um, there are some already pre-existing uh, knowledge that are, us as players, we do have in our in our mind, no? In terms of, let's say, it also depends a lot on the culture, no? And your, your cultural background, like where are you from, uh, which are the games that you have been playing. But still, there are some share um, uh, uses of the color, I would say, like, for example, red color. Uh, red color, it tends to, to be related with uh, an alert or even like the, the concept of, of canceling. Um, so yeah, if you are designing a button that is mainly, uh, uh, its main purpose is going to be accept, I would say like maybe uh, you tr would try to avoid uh, the red color. And maybe you go for something that is more uh, universally understood as a accept button, like green, for example. Um, of course, uh, maybe your 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 UI style uh, wants to be like breaking those conventions, and and then maybe you go for a red color. Uh, but then it, it needs to be like a, a conscious decision. Um, so it depends a lot on in your audience. No? Like if you're maybe trying to appeal like a more casual audience. Let's maybe try to lean more into this universal uh, uh, knowledge. Uh, and then you're going for, yeah, for players that want to feel like uh, more edgy or, or that they are playing uh, fresher games uh, or, or maybe more complex games. Maybe then you can try to break those uh, conventions. Um, but I would say, yeah, only when you feel it doesn't compromise the, the experience. Um, but then, for example, uh, talking about red, uh, red is a big color in, in some countries like China in terms of uh, Lunar New Year, uh, when, when you are celebrating, uh, there's a lot of red. Uh, but then maybe it's not only red, it's like a combination of red and, and golden. No? That's like, and only that, like, it helps a lot to create like some kind of a, a festivity-like uh, feeling in your UI, uh, which definitely matters uh, for the live ops. Um, the same as like, we all have like certain Halloween colors in our heads. Uh, and I'm sure if you're working a live game, at some point you're going to be doing Halloween themed assets. Uh, so yeah, like let's check on, okay, when you, when you go out uh, on the street uh, during those days, uh, how do you actually see uh, Halloween? Do we want to create that same kind of feeling uh, in the game, this uh, like Christmas, no? Like there's definitely some Christmas colors and some even not only colors, no? Like shapes, uh, um, all of those things that uh, you you might want to to use them uh, as as part of life of uh, effort, like when you are doing like uh, a certain special event or 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 a new offer in your shop. So so overall, 
yeah, try to be mindful of the audience that you are targeting to in terms of do they re do they live in this real world? Like are they citizens of Earth? So as 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 such, what are the um how can we try to to connect with that audience uh, with the UI? So yeah, that would be one of the things. Um in terms of working in a live game, uh, another big learning would be trying to 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 understand uh, what uh, has made that game successful in the first place, and trying to to keep that uh, in terms of the UI style, of course, but everything else. And as a last uh, piece of advice, uh, I would say try to be as open-minded as possible. Uh, I was just referring to how you need to lean on the, the real-life uh, matters. Uh, how can they impact your game? But it might be just like, try to be mindful about uh, different opinions in your team. Um, because probably even the ones that you don't agree with, uh, there's some truth in, in those opinions. And, and, and even if, if those opinions like end up being wrong, maybe... They can spark um, an improvement in the game, no? So, so yeah, that's my top advice. Like, mm, like remove any kind of pride in your work and and try to be uh, as open-minded as possible and absorb uh, uh, as many different feedback to, to to try to make the best of it. True, true. I I watch for the same, and I, I believe like you mentioned because you're gathering feedback from the players. I think this might be coming. Uh, be influencing your work as well, isn't it? Like, for example, um, <clears throat> how to make your uh, end result be accessible by all kind of demographics and the, the kind of players. So uh, sometimes you are constantly learning about the player behavior and um, even, uh, like, let's say, you are thinking about from the mindset of uh, an experienced gamer because you have been working on game, but uh, you have to tend to also think from the POV of um, how a first-time user experience is still experiencing and launching the game today and then then playing around. So I believe like you also keep in mind a lot about this accessibility as well for um, any kind of person playing it more or less from the from the target group still. But um, even maybe, I don't know, some um, uniqueness like colorblindness or left-handed, right-handed or uh, playing on the couch and having full focus versus being in a metro and then having to deal with so much of stuff while they are trying to navigate. So I believe like so many of the discoveries also come into play as you make your decisions about how to, how to approach your work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's part of like, uh, at Rovio, we, I worked in a, a UX Bible and some of the, the considerations that you have just mentioned, they were there, like, like accessibility, uh, been uh, one of the most prominent ones. Um, things like, let's say, in a way, I'm biased. Uh, so most of my questions, uh, or most of my answers, are going to be leaning towards like mobile games. Uh, but maybe that's where I can provide uh, more expertise. Um, so in that sense, like when working on a mobile title, no. Um, it's gonna be the hand, uh, like it's a landscape game that you are um, seeing when handling like the phone with with your both hands, like holding the phone with your both hands, or it's like a portrait uh, 
game where you can just uh, be using your phone uh, with one hand. But then that determines a lot of different decisions in terms of the UI layout, uh, how how easy it is for your thumbs to to access that specific button, uh, how covered that area of the screen is going to be by your by your fingers most probably. Um, and and then yeah, like in a way you we we try to have like this kind of like map. Uh, in 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 our heads when we design these screens, so okay, where are the the the, the fingers going to be placed, and where your vision is going to be covered by by those? Got it. So my my next question is about uh, the challenges in evolving UI for ongoing games. So I believe it might be challenging, especially when a lot of content has already been created. Have you ever dealt with a situation in any of your past project where? a game required major UI or UX overhaul. And in those cases, how does the the running train of production deal with it? Like, do you allocate a separate time to fix everything from the past and uh, apply the new style to every new feature which are currently getting created? Do you have any memories of any moments where you handled such kind of UI pivots? Yeah. Um, I do have those kind of memories and yeah, like they are definitely challenges uh, to face. Um, I would say it depends a lot again on the, how, how noticeable is going to be the change for the player and how, how maybe, how, how, how easily can still those two, like the old style and the new style, how can they coexist? Can maybe they can't. Um, so if they actually can't, uh, maybe what we would try to do, especially in a live game where we have a schedule and we need to keep releasing content and features, uh, so we would probably uh, work on the overall um, UI art uh, restyling um, as a separate um, side task, uh, it, maybe even during different update cycles. So we know that maybe at the end of the year we want to actually uh, implement that big uh, restyling but we cannot be uh, idle in the meantime so so we would try to, to to split our efforts in terms of we keep providing uh, the live content that the game requires and at the same time uh, we start developing the new UI art style um, and then of course there's like uh, the, the pain needs to come at some point and 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 yeah, like there's a moment where maybe that specific uh, update cycle needs to be actually more focused on the implementation of the UI art uh, restyle, and and then maybe it needs to be uh, leaner in terms of actual new content. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, ideally that would happen in a way that for players is not that noticeable uh, in terms of they are getting less content. Uh, in that update, update cycle, because in a way, the UI uh, art overhaul, like it, it might look better, but for most of the players, uh, it won't be perceived as uh, that you are bringing something to them or something uh, that for them is just going to be okay. The game is now looking different. Maybe some are going to be even annoyed by the fact that you have changed some of the uh, style of the game. So. So yeah, ideally, it wouldn't uh, compromise like your constant, uh, uh, yeah, like a, a stream of of content for them. 
Yeah. And like, for example, in, in, in Broadstars, what we have done is like maybe we are trying to, to revamp uh, one feature at a time, you know, uh, because that I would say allow us like to have that balance, no? Like we keep providing new things, but we can focus on a particular feature that it's been done quite a long time ago uh, that uh, we have been like collecting feedback about it. Uh, we have been collecting ideas that the team has. Like, mm, it would be nice if, uh, for example, we are about to relaunch the the Brawl Pass uh, in, in Brawl Stars. It's something that we have actually even announced players uh, before it, it actually happens. The, the big change is going to happen in January. But the... Uh, we, we have communicated those changes a uh, couple of months uh, earlier from that. Uh, and yeah, we are trying to do as many changes as we think uh, the, the feature needs uh, all together. Uh, so, so if the player needs to relearn some details about the feature, let's try to, to, to make it uh, as a, um, as a whole, in a holistic view. You know, like like we tried not to change only one detail and, and make make it all consistent. Um, so I would say that's a nice approach in terms of okay, maybe like changing the whole UI of your game is quite a big endeavor. Uh, but maybe you can go one feature at a time. Um, yeah, as long as the, the restyling actually uh, allows to have older and newer style features. Mm-hmm. Does your work involve a lot of negotiation or convincing, having to inform others about the bigger picture that they may forget uh, quite often? And let's say if someone is asking for a certain route, uh, a certain route to take and which can break something else. So do UI artists deal with situations where they have to defend the fort and being the protectors of usability or even visual language, for example? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does happen. It does happen because um, I would say, uh, yeah, as, as this whole uh, uh, craft of doing games is, is a shared effort between many different uh, um, roles, uh, it can happen that uh, someone is pushing for, yeah, like let's try to make uh, an offer more, more, more noticeable in 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 the main screen, but then maybe we are actually compromising like the main goals of the main screen that is allow you to see where the play button is, no? So let's try not to cover like the play button uh, with an offer, no? I'm just right now thinking in the Mike Wasowski example, uh, some of your uh, previous uh, podcasters provided, no? Like, uh, okay, we need to be mindful like not to cover uh, main uh, main elements with with others just because uh, we want to make uh, yeah an offer uh, more appealing during Christmas or whatever. Uh, so definitely some negotiation happens. Um, I would say as long as you you are able to provide uh, the right uh, counter arguments of why we shouldn't do that thing that has just been proposed, um, we should all be fine in terms of um, yeah like. There, there, there's like a common ground that we the is ideal that we find together. Um, so yeah, it's like yeah, I get it. Like we do need to make this offer more noticeable, but maybe there's other ways uh, than just like uh, reducing the accessibility to those uh, core uh, feature buttons. Um, so so definitely 
uh, it does happen. It, it, it needs to happen because, as I was saying, like it, we all need to be constantly conversating about the 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 goals that we have and how we want to achieve them. Um, but but yeah, like probably accessibility is one of the things that we need to to protect the most, uh, or maybe like the consistency across the game. Um, so we don't represent visually something too different from one place of the game to another. Um, because in a way that's our main responsibility is one of the, our main responsibilities as UI artists. Uh, because maybe even someone has lost the reference, like how are we representing the home button in that part of the game? And it's ideal that you as the UI artist uh, are the one who, you are the one who knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Gone. Uh, seeing you from the outside, at least, like it looks like that uh, you have had a very, I mean, well deserved, but like a fortunate opportunities where you work with uh, really nice people and collaborators, which allows you to unleash the the right way of working and having a great uh, and standout UI art experience from the projects that you have been part of. But in some cases, uh, in some team scenarios, like maybe the art directors, um, they are more on the art art side and not even like mindset with a product mindset or a whole game mindset. They can likely go a bit disconnected from giving the right value and attention to to the UI. And in those cases, maybe UI can just like feel like a supporting function rather than the the actual true value that it can bring when everything is just coming together and the UI experience is supporting it. So what must art directors, game designers, product managers do differently in order to get the best execution and research for, from UI? Like how, how do those other function people work where people like you are able to unleash out the best uh, uh, experience on, on the game? Great question. It's a great question. Um, it does have a big impact uh, having like the right partners uh, in that effort, no? And and how to to find the best ways to complement each other and and, and yeah. It, so let me think. Like in a way, um, in terms of game designers, no, or, or the people who who are going to be like helping you to 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 shape a feature in terms of uh, the experience of it. Um, and, and maybe not as much in the visual side, but more on the, uh, on the rest of the elements of, uh, of the design of the feature, like, like the, the information that we saw, um, the, the, the page that the feature has in terms of how we introduce it to the players. Uh, so um, I would say, yeah, like, as I was saying before, like conversations, like uh, communication, like fluent communication, I would say is, is the best uh, thing to ask for, for, for most of your stakeholders. No? Uh, so uh, on the same time, like I would say, as I was saying before, like try to be open no? because uh, when you're focused on producing a certain screen, uh, maybe you lose track of something that the game designer noticed uh, that, hey, we, we should take this into account and your current version is is maybe not doing uh, so properly. Um, and it, it makes sense in terms of um, uh, in terms of game designers. They, they are sometimes, some, most of the time the ones who have like the bigger picture because um, they, they have the goal of the feature in mind. Um, 
uh, and maybe they are not as embedded into the actual uh, crafting of the UI art. So, so that for them is an advantage that you need to to, to make the most of. Uh, so try to keep sharing and try to keep listening to to what they say. But yeah, like I would say, like uh, try to trust each other. And and then from that trust, uh, try to get as much as much as possible for from 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 those different learnings that everyone has. Um, and then in terms of they are directors, um, it's basically all of the things that I have just said that also applied here for the visuals. Um, but what I do feel that uh, sometimes they have helped me most, uh, and our director is like. Uh, they they know better about uh, our art capabilities um, in terms of who are the other artists that we have in the team, who are the um, vendors that we can lean to uh, in terms if we need some external support. So I do appreciate. Maybe I'm I'm noticing okay this feature needs a lot of art. Um, as I was saying before, maybe this feature needs or this part of the game needs a lot of visual effects to make it pop, as we were saying. Um, so then maybe ideally is, is the, the art director telling me, hey, like, you know, like we have these VFX artists that they have helped us in this other part of the game. Uh, even they, they are uh, familiar with how they made it, um, how can we embed it. Um, so yeah, yeah, like as, as, as we are all focused uh, on our different crafts, and, and maybe you are focused as a UI artist in, in the creation of the UI art and the, the, the design of the experience. Let's try to lean on those uh, external stakeholders uh, for the things they know best. Um, and if, if they can uh, help you with, with, with those expertise, it's, it's the best that you can ask for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. So that way, what are the most enjoyable parts of your role uh, I mean, I, I know from you that you kind of like do the entire process and that's why maybe you like everything from it. But is there something which is like a specific section where you have the most love for and you just enjoy doing that a lot? Like if I go and look at your Behance, for example, the tons of pins that you have done for Brawl, uh, were those the ones where you had the maximum enjoyment that like this is the uh, creative playground and I'm going to just uh, have a lot of fun doing them? Yeah, uh, there's like this answer. I would say has two parts. Uh, the first part is yes, I I do enjoy every bit of the process, and that's why I like to to be involved in in the whole. Um, so because sometimes what you and you you what you can it can happen that you have spent hours or days or weeks doing a certain thing, no? Like let's say icon creation. So then it's quite a refreshment uh, to have the chance to do something quite different. Like, yeah, let's design a new flow or, or animate those icons. Or So it provides a lot of variety to your daily um, experience as, as a worker. So, um, so yeah, I would say that's one of the things I enjoy the most about my work, the, the variety that it has. So in terms of the where you spend your hours, um, there's a lot uh, of different uh, things that you can be focusing on. But uh, of course, there's things that they pop uh, in my mind when you ask me for what I enjoy the most. Um, 
I love icon creation, definitely. Uh, I love the fact that uh, trying to represent the concept uh, in, in, in a simpler way so it can be understood uh, when seen in a small size and when seen without a lot of attention uh, being focused on that icon. No? Um, some examples, like I love doing like, uh, when I worked in the Almost a Hero um, game, I think it's one of the first times I, I, I tackled like... Ski, uh, skill icons like it's quite typical in, in games now and also because we try to make them with some humor um, so it is great uh, trying to, to find um, the right way with uh, as, as few details as possible to still communicate the content and even doing it with some charm um, you mentioned brawl that spins like that's something that I inherited from uh, Paul Chambers, the great artist that created uh, the, the big bulk of the Brawl Stars IP and pins as well. Uh, I love working on pins. I love the fact that Paul created such a consistent language. Um, so yeah, it's just like I, I learned to speak a new language, like the, the pin language. And, and of course, over the years, uh, and as, as he has been always around as he moved to, to the, another project, I have had to create like maybe new expressions in that language or new new letters in that ABC that he created. Um, but the fact that it was so so defined and, and 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 so visually powerful, it has helped me a lot to 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 keep the consistency of it and keep keep the strength of it. Um, so yeah, those like I love uh, icon creation. Definitely. Like even like I would say in Brawlsters, probably the icons that I still enjoy the most uh, are maybe like not as visually appealing or even like they don't have the charm of the pins because pins, they do have the charm of, of communicating an emotion that is something like for a player is, is easy to, to, to establish a bond with. But yeah, like in Brawlsters, uh, every brawler needs to have a different uh, set of skill icons and gadgets like star powers. And, and those are like done with only one color or two colors. So, so yeah, when you just focus on the shape and just with the shape and communicating that, that specific uh, concept and, and still, yeah, doing it with, with the style. So it also represents the brawler, for example. That is a task I, I love to do. Excellent. And I enjoy them visually seeing them. So I, I, I feel how fun it might be to, to, to create and ideate them and then uh, ship them. My last question is more on the point of view of having a portfolio, like building an ideal portfolio. So what are the, the what does an ideal or exciting UI portfolio look like? Uh, you mentioned a few things like including the process examples is, is helpful, like not just putting the final result. But many, many aspiring UI artists are currently working as generalist artists in some smaller studios. In that way, how should they organize and prepare for um, making a portfolio for more kind of like specialized role or in, in companies like yours, like uh, having, a, having a dream job to work in these kind of places? What are the things that you look for from many portfolios that you're reviewing that makes them qualified to move to the next stages? Great question. And I think it's also a great way to summarize some of the things that we have been covering in our conversation. Um, because in a way, when checking a, a portfolio, I do want to find most of the things that we have been talking about in terms of, I want to see that you have a passion in, in games. Um, I want to notice like you, you know, 
uh, how games are done and how games uh, communicate to players more specifically. Maybe you still don't know a lot about the, the back end of creating a game, but I'm sure if you're passionate about games, you do know about how games look and, and how games uh, are experienced as a player. So that's something that uh, you need to, to be able to communicate in, in your portfolio projects. Uh, even just like being mindful about how this game is going to be used, how this information is going to be read, uh, how this flow is going to be experienced, because you are able to, to put uh, in the shoes of the player. Um, so that, that would be one thing. Then the other thing that we were saying, like, yeah, like, let's try to be able to, to communicate the whole process. Uh, in terms of uh, how that you came up with this idea of for this portfolio project, um, so yeah, try to to show uh, your your sketches, like your like your references as well. Why not? Uh, like, um, and then trying to also show the different stages, uh, not only the final uh, version of it, um, and then try also to be um, concise in terms of maybe you need to have like a, a big portfolio or, or a very long scroll for your project. Uh, maybe try to just pinpoint what are the things that actually make that project or that portfolio stand. Um, I would say that's, I guess that's quite a, a common uh, advice. Uh, many, like many portfolio revisers can 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 say, I'm sure you, you would say the same for uh, character creation, like try to select uh, always, no, and not to to turn your portfolio into some kind of um, journey or, or journal in terms of everything that you have done is reflected on your portfolio. Uh, and try to go back to your portfolio and every now and then like, oh, maybe this example is no longer relevant of my skills. Um and let's try to to maybe check if there's a better example of of how you actually now create icons or how you animate um, a flow. Maybe yeah, like maybe you have like a an emotional bone with that uh, project, but maybe that emotional bone is not as relevant uh, to to actually show your skills. Um, yeah, and then lastly, maybe let's try to. As well as we were covering the process, let's also try to cover the, um, the final results uh, in terms of uh, maybe there's a particular animation that needs to be shown. Uh, let's try to do it in the right way. Like I love to see portfolios that include some animations because as I was saying, animation is something that you will end up doing as a UI artist uh, even if you don't do the final animation, you might be the one uh, asking for the details uh, of how the animation needs to be executed. So maybe you can also not show the animation, but show like the storyboards you created for the animators to actually achieve what you had in mind. True, true. Something which you somehow said in everything, but I just want to emphasize on uh, by adding a point from my side on this one. Uh, it, it's like very common for some people to just wonder on how do they assemble a portfolio or even create a portfolio when they did not have a hands-on experience of working on an actual project. Uh, like they're trying to get the foot into the door and they're like students still. In those cases, I, I believe, like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the the best way out would be to just 
create a mock-up project for yourself, like just as a personal project. Maybe you don't need to have a whole exercise of designing it and also having developed it and playable or whatever, but you can just create something like a Dribble project or Behance project, which like maybe not going to convert into an actual game, but for your portfolio reasons, you can maybe even pick up another game which you are referencing as a, as a like let's say your base and then pick up the genre, like a puzzle game. And then like, I'm going to make another one from my own portfolio, but I'll just re-theme and re-skin into uh, another uh, kind of setting and therefore do my own versions of um, the home screen and the, all, the, uh, all the, the pop-ups and stuff in order to assemble a portfolio without something that really exists as a game in the market. Do you, do you think that that can work? Yeah, totally agree. I would say there's three main sources of, of how you can build a portfolio without uh, any kind of um, actual, real, um, professional experience in a, in a real game project. So yeah, as you said, like take an existing game and uh, try to propose something different for that game, like trying to revamp the UI style, try to improve the experience of the first-time user experience of that game. Yeah, like so yeah taking an existing game as, uh, as a base and then work on top of that. Maybe the second one is like, yeah, maybe try to imagine you are doing a game. Um, of course, then it needs to also, you are not only the UI artist, you are the, the whole game creator, but that, that might be interesting enough. Maybe you can try to do something that, like in terms of the, the game concept, it doesn't need to be, too complex or too original, but at least it provides you like a, let's, let's say you want to show your match three um, skills. So, okay, I'm doing a new match three title. How is the UI going to look for that game? Um, so yeah, like I call them like fantasy projects in terms of they are not real games. So yeah, maybe existing games where you work on top, fantasy games. And the third one is the one that I mentioned, like game jams, because I, I at least in my experience, I was able uh, to take a game jam project. Maybe the 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 final version of it that it appears in the portfolio is not the game jam result because as normally they are they are quite tight in time. But maybe from there you get the inspiration, and it, it's even like quite pleasing uh, when you do a game jam. And then it's like, oh, if I would have had much longer time to work. Uh, on that uh, game that we work on the game jam, how would it actually end up looking, uh, or how it would be the experience? You know? So yeah, I think with those three, just with those three, like fantasy projects, uh, existing games that you work on, work on top, and game jam projects, like you have tons of of uh, feel like to, to actually provide nice examples of how you could perform in a real experience. Yeah, excellent examples and great classification. Uh, I just love the the way you split them into three things because that can show your uh, skill set in all the three variety. For example, the one which was the fantasy one, it shows your ability to uh, develop a project, like work in, in a way where you are um, creating all the elements. So that's the best example of showcasing your skills. Uh, the other one is revamping. So it's something where you're, uh, your critical thinking and all your abilities of what you have learned and processed from the game and discovered what are the flaws or what are the things which are not working and even like picking up an older game and then what would it be like in today's modern uh, uh, way on how things have evolved. So what are the, 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 
the changes that you are doing. So showing your skills, showing your evolution, and then also showing your um, prototyping kind of like skills or a bit of innovation by working in these kind of game jams uh, where uh, there's a little magic of um, creating something unique rather than what exists in the market uh, and having some fresh uh, fresh look onto uh, a completely different navigation. I think these three things can really um, grab the attention of hiring managers from UI and uh, the recruitment studios. So excellent. Thank you so much, Gon. This was very, very fun and uh, fantastic to have had met you today. I'm going to link you in the description for people who want to connect with you uh, to get any advice and also your portfolio stuff and all. But thanks for spending this morning and it was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shira. And yeah, um, I'm always glad to help uh, UI uh, people, like uh, like enthusiasts. Like doesn't matter like their experience. I, I often try to help. Uh, they contact with advice, asking for advice. So yeah, like I, I would be glad to to receive some questions and follow ups to this conversation through that link. Yeah, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much, Gon. Have a great day. Thank you. Likewise.